0: He's the Beacon Deacon Jeff Rossignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. That was my Batman beginning to the uh, episode of Christology. We're on, well, I guess it's the fourth, but I'm calling it the third part of the sermon series on this. And we're going over... Who is Jesus, right? We're going to look at all the stuff that's concerning Jesus, God, man, what it meant, why he was here, how it impacts us, what's the difference, why, right? So before I say anything further, I need to pray. Good morning again, Father. Really, uh, get me out of your way that... uh, the Holy Spirit would use me, and the Holy Spirit would ignite everyone's heart, that we would see the objective truths of Scripture, and we'd understand it, and obey it, to your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. There's a lot of cool stuff about Scripture that we want to talk about, and um, again, Ligonier Ministries... Uh, earlier this year, it came out with a statement of faith uh, concerning Christology. Christology, as you can see, the word Christ, right? And ology always means science. So if you ever hear of biology, right? The ology is the study of. So it's the study of Christ. And I always forget to delete this part from the sermon. I don't know, what the PowerPoint. Anyway, what they did is put out this statement of faith, and I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Because it's hard to read here. It is on your bulletins. Every week I've been leaving it on the bulletin. Alright? So here we go. We confess the mystery and wonder of God made flesh, and rejoice in our great salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. With the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Son created all things, sustains all things, and makes all things new. Truly God, He became truly man, two natures in one person. He was born of the Virgin Mary and lived among us, crucified, dead, and buried. He rose on the third day, ascended to heaven, and will come again in glory and judgment. For us, He kept the law, atoned for sin, and satisfied God's wrath. He took our filthy rags and gave us his righteous robe. He is our prophet, priest, and king, building his holy church, interceding for us, and reigning over all things. Jesus Christ is Lord. We praise his holy name forever. Amen. That's the statement. Now... That's a radical statement, because what a statement of truth does is it punches a hole through all the fuzziness about who Jesus is. It just punches a straight, clear line right through it all. This is pretty much standard historical Christian theology on Jesus. So when people deviate from this, we're now talking heresies and cults, and we don't want to go anywhere from that. So if somebody doesn't believe Jesus is God, or if somebody doesn't believe something about what we just shared here, this is fundamental Christianity. This is not something special. This is not a cult that started a new church. This has always been biblical Christianity, biblical truth since the beginning. And so that's why we want to stick to that. Now, just this week, and I'm going to bring it up uh, in a few weeks, but uh, a famous preacher Um, and you may have seen a Facebook post on this, suggested that God broke the law in order to save man. And, of course, that is contrary to everything about God, the scriptures, the law, and everything. So in the next week or so, I'm going to show you a snippet of that clip with the preacher who said that, and he meant it in good intent, but clearly he was preaching off the cuff, and he hadn't done a good biblical study, and it was bad right? Um, Jesus fulfilled the law. He satisfied the law. God can't break his law by his very nature. God can't break what is good, because God is good. You understand how bad theology that is? I know the man meant it in good intent. Bad, bad theology. So we never, we got to know enough scripture to discern when we hear a lie, right? And so this is some fundamental stuff And of course, this truth about Jesus connects to everything else about Scripture. It's all connected and juicy stuff. Well, here's what we're going to highlight right now. We're going to highlight this part of the statement. Everything in yellow is what we're going to highlight. He was born of the Virgin Mary and lived among us. Crucified, dead, and buried. He rose on the third day, ascended to heaven, and will come again in glory and judgment. Now, the reason I'm not highlighting uh, this text is because we just finished Good Friday and Easter. It's all there, alright? We're going to talk about He lived among us just a little bit, and then we're really going to unpack this, that He's he's coming back. He left, and He's coming back. And that's our big topic today. He left, and He's coming back. Now, I do want to do a correction from last week. I was talking about Jesus lived a sinless life, and it's a fair time to mention that again. But we were talking about his deity, God being 100% God, and uh, Jesus being 100% God, and Jesus being 100% man. Now that fancy term, here we go, is called the hypostatic union. Right? You all knew that, right? Yeah, of course. Right. Uh, yeah. Hypostatic yeah. union. Right here. I think I have one of those in my car engine, right? There's a hypostatic union right there, Alright? That's a big fancy term that he's 100% God and 100% man. Yet, when he was here on earth, he did not utilize his deity, his superpowers, all right? And the big point I wanted to address is when the devil was tempting him, and I was talking about how when we 're tempted by the devil we 're already sold, all right when you put the lure in the water, the fish already wants it okay and that 's with us with humans. When the devil gives us a temptation we 're like, "Yeah, man, give me two right but with the, with jesus the that internal sin was not there. There was nothing inside of him to make him go, yeah, that's a great idea, devil, let me contemplate that. It was never there. It wasn't there because one, he was sinless. It wasn't in him to be um, interested in what the devil had to offer. But two, I I made the statement that he couldn't lose because God can't lose. And I made a subtle shift from Jesus' humanity to his deity, and that's just not rightly fair. Can Jesus in his humanity beat the devil flat out and not lose? Absolutely. And I want to isolate that just for a moment. Um, he couldn't lose in his humanity for two big reasons. One, he's sinless. And he knew who he was. Before the devil tempted him, John the Baptist baptized him. He comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit goes, lands on him. God the Father speaks from heaven, this is my son. Then he goes and gets tempted in the wilderness. Okay? So Jesus knows who he is. Alright? And now he's sinless on top of that. And then he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Fortified with the Holy Spirit. All right. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, who's finishing the job that he's not utilizing his own deity to do. He can't lose in his humanity. So there. Now I felt, feel better. Oh, I'm glad. And that I know you're all concerned about that. You're like, man, I can't believe Jeff did that last week, right? So what was that? Like? <laughs> that was sarcasm. <laughs> that was sarcasm. All right. So let's unpack just a little bit more of that, that Jesus lived a sinless life. This is very, very important to understand, that he, uh, for he made him, for in other words, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. He didn't make Jesus, he made Jesus to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Alright, this is a, this is imputation. This is a beefy verse. And what we want to understand about that is, from this, I just want to extrapolate that he lived among us. He was here. He had to live a sinless life in order to be a sin offering. That's why God didn't just grab anybody, you'll do, or I will throw you on the cross. You're the sacrifice for the human race, past, present, and future. It had to be the next Adam. It had to be another Adam that had to be tested and approved and then killed. Alright? To pay for our sin. And so when Jesus, who knew no sin, was pinned on the cross, he became sin. So we have sin in us as part of our nature, but Jesus became sin so that God could punish Him and satisfy the law. There's no law-breaking going on. In order for God to get you to Him, He had to satisfy His law, not go around it. Every other religion... Uh, Muslims and their God and every other God it's humans working their own way to heaven and or God just decides uh, if I'm merciful I'll let you in but there's no standard with all these other crazy gods alright so there's a lot of beefiness there so let's keep moving son of man and son of God here's a neat little verse or two Romans 1, 1 1-4 look at this Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So we'll pause right there for a moment. What we have is the book of Romans, who was written by Paul. And he was one of the apostles. He's also a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Gospel means good good news, set apart for the good news of God which He, God, promised beforehand through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So all of your Old Testament, the pages of your Bible that tend to stick together, right? Because we're not reading them a lot. Hint, hint, we should read it more. All of that is what we're talking about here. Promised beforehand through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of Holiness, the Holy Spirit, by His resurrection from the dead. The proof of it is Jesus rose from the grave. So in four verses of an intro of a letter of Paul is all this amazing theology that just crushes and divides all the lies out there. Alright? He was the Son of Man, He's the Son of God, and by the way, He's raised from the dead. And by the way, His last name is not Christ. That's His title. So, Jesus the Messiah, the Anointed One. That's a lot, isn't it? So don't worry, this is actually, I've got less slides, I've got less stuff, so we can spend more time soaking it in. He ascended into heaven. These are the parts I want to highlight. He ascended into heaven in Acts 1, through 9-11. And when he had said these things, Jesus, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So here's the thing. Jesus is raised from the dead. He goes around. He sees over 500 people, more than 500 people. And he's with his disciples. He's talking to them. He's teaching them. And he says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Okay, come on out to the mount side, folks. We're going to say goodbye. It's the, great, it's the big goodbye at this point. And how does he say goodbye? He does that. He says, okay. Ready? And up he goes. And they're like, what? Right? They're watching him float up. And while they're gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right, now there's two particularly amazing things that we shouldn't just look over. While they're gawking, what? Right? Two people in white clothes show up. Who are they? They're angels, right? Two angels show up. Right? They show right up. It's right out of a cool sci-fi movie, right? Guess what? Stop gawking. The way you saw him leave is the way he's going to return. Right? Now go do what he told you to. Wait, the Holy Spirit's coming. Right? That's a pretty cool day. What did you do today? Well, I saw Jesus ascend to heaven. Angels appeared and uh, talked to me and us. As Yeah, it was a cool, pretty cool day. All right? That's cool. So here's what's key. is As the world gets weirder and wonkier, you're going to see crazy stuff. You're going to see bad stuff. And you're even going to see people coming and claiming they're a Messiah. All right? But note to this, the same way you saw him go up to heaven is the same way you will see him come back. All right? What does that mean? It means when Jesus comes back, the whole world will see him burst through time and space, um, and every person's going to see that. We're going to look a little deeper at that. Jesus comes and goes on his terms, not his creatures' terms. Creature means we're created, right? Creator, creature. That's where the term "creature" comes from. So if an evolutionist says, "And these creatures eh, you can't use that term, that's God's term. Come up with something else. And these cosmic gloppy accidents well, OK, well, that's even that,. All right, All right. His return is in glory and, pa- and judgment. Um, the two things most people do not want are these glory and judgment those are the things that are most offensive about God's character trait to a fallen race is His holiness you see God's the definition of what is right or good so if you find in your heart or mind that you disagree with God on something, guess who's wrong it's not God. all right? And we want to pay attention to that. And because of this, if you want to hear something really cool, this week on the Bible Thumping WingNet, which is a podcast, um, an atheist went on to the podcast and was talking with Matt Slick, who, who has started Calm.org for about 20 years. And what he said to him, or this atheist said to him, is like, how can you believe in a God that would send people to hell? Seems pretty extreme. Well, the real issue is that person doesn't know what holiness is. Doesn't realize that only a good God can send people to hell. If God's not good, there is no hell. All right, they're connected. If there's, if if God is good, there has to be a hell because bad people have to be punished by a good God. It's obligatory. Did I say that right? Obligatory. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So let's look at that. Um, here's the part. Now here's out of Matthew 24, verses 21 through 25, the return of Christ. There's no mistaking it. It's glorious. And this is the part that... We'll unpack this here. Uh, for then there will be... This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus in prophet mode. All right, And I make that distinction because another day we're going to unpack this whole chapter because this chapter, for some people, they believe this has already happened when the fall of Jerusalem. I think it's pretty clear it's going to happen again. All right? Um, and I'll unpack that another day. Romans 24:21 through 25. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or... There he is. Do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So this is Jesus in prophet mode, telling people, "Look, a lots of crazy stuffs going to happen." you're going to see some pretty amazing teachers on TV who are going to do some pretty amazing things. Um, They're not Jesus. And if they tell you anything but the gospel and what the scripture teaches, they're not of Christ. If they try to add to the work of Jesus. I'm glad you believe Jesus died for you, but now you must all do 20 laps around the swimming pool. Or you must uh, be baptized head first, not feet first. Or you must do the funky chicken If you have to add anything to the work of Christ, that's not the gospel. That's man gaining glory. Bad, bad, bad. So, he's telling them, look. um, And also, look at this part. When he comes in his glory, the tribulation, there's going to be lots and lots and lots of bad, bad, bad stuff taking place. We grumble in America because we have, you know, our vision. We're talking about vision. I'm nearsighted without my contacts, Nearsighted, we think America's it. And if America's going downhill, then Jesus must be coming back because America's becoming immoral. Well, the world's bigger than America, That's right. right? And there's a lot of good stuff going on in other countries where there's an influx of people believing in Jesus. So don't determine whether Jesus is coming back on what America is doing. We're not that big. Right? We're not the ultimate. Um, so I'll read this to you. So just relax. Uh, but uh, yeah. So if they say to you, this is Jesus still speaking, here he is, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Or Papa, right? Have you all seen the flocks of vultures around Papa? <laughs> <laughs> not picking on Papa. i just said, there's a lot of vultures in Papa. All right. <laughs> Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars all will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. There's a lot here, but what I want to point out is When Jesus returns, first of all, bad, bad things are happening all over the world, right? Um, And even the moon and the sky, nothing that we take for granted is going to be stable anymore. The stars in the heaven are going to start to just go wonky, right? The sun, the moon, nothing that we think is stable and endless and timeless that we take for granted. We all Did anyone for a second doubt that the sun was going to come up? We're like, man. I hope the sun comes up, right? There are certain things we don't put any effort in concern that it's not going to happen. The sun coming up, the moon, which is, was half full last night, right? And you can see outside in the dark. It's really cool. We just assume this. This is the, time's a ticking. We're in it, right? Not, not even that is going to be stable anymore. Everything, everything is going to crumble. Think of the things in your life that freak you out when they crumble now. Imagine when the planet you're on is tired of you and starts to shake. Maybe I'm going to eat you today, maybe not. Right? There was, an earth, there was a couple earthquakes this week in Japan. Mountains are opening up. Right? People fall in it and get eaten. Right? Imagine when the Earth and the sky and everything decides, I just want to destroy humanity like, like we would squish an ant hill." All right? All this bad stuff's going to happen, and then people are going to look into the sky and see Jesus return with angels and glow in the dark sticks, and what? all this stuff, right, is all going to be there. And what are they going to do? Yay! They will mourn. Oh no! Now we're getting attacked by aliens on top of that! They won't even recognize him. They just know he's more powerful than them. Right? uh, The Christians are going to be the ones going, wait, whoa, wait a minute, I'm here for this? I didn't die in an earthquake and I get to see this? this? Whoa! The Christians will rejoice. The whole world will be terrified. They will not appreciate the return of Jesus in glory. All right. Um, I want to point that out because I know um, in my twenties, as a young Christian, going to church and hearing preachers, and they say, "Oh, and you know, oh, I can't wait for the return of Jesus. Can you wait? Whether we tarry or meet in the air, or, you know." and I've had that saying. I forget that saying about here, there, or in the air, right? And everyone's like, "Oh, please, Jesus, come, please." Well, first of all, I'm glad He waited for me, yeah. and He didn't come in the '50s. Right? How many of you are glad he didn't come in the 50s? How about the 40s? Anyone glad Jesus didn't come back in the 40s? That should cover everyone in this room, right? You weren't born in the 30s, were you? You weren't born in the 30s. Okay, good, that covers everybody. <laughs> right? Jesus is waiting. Right? I'm sure glad he's waited this long. But when he does come, it's going to be a scary day. It's not going to be a happy day. Um, and it's for Christians, we're going to be happy that I know who that is. Yeah, that's Jesus. The clearest day, everything that is clearly Jesus. And your neighbor and your friends are going to be going, ah! And you're going, no, no, that's Jesus. No, I know. I don't know. They're going to be confused. They're going to be terrified. They're going to hate it. They're going to call the president, fire the missiles, quick. That's what's going to happen. And as a matter of fact, that's part of the last battle. In the battle of Armageddon, it's not going to be a pretty situation. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be sadness. There's going to be death. There's going to be all this bad. And the Christians are just going, oh, come on, come on, teleport me now. Come on. Right? It's just that's how it's going to be in the last moment. Beam me up. Beam me up, please. You bet. So Matthew 25, 31 and 32. This is where it really gets scary. Jesus will be your judge. And more than that. So it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, we just unpacked His glory. Joy for the Christian, terror for the non-Christian, or everyone else. And all the angels with Him. They will, he will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Okay, he's going to harvest every human being and they're all going to be there. And he's saying, You weren't ashamed of me. You're going to heaven. You used my name as a blasphemy and you thought it was funny. You're not going. You're forever, right? And he's, and everyone's going to know it. The Christians are going to go, I'm a sheep! Woo! I'm a sheep! Even before Jesus does the big move, right? And the goats are going, Oh, no, I was wrong. Actually, you know what the goats are going to do? Which I'm very convinced of. They're going to be shaking their fist at Him. They're going to be terrified. They're going to be on their face. They're going to know they're guilty. But if God even gave them a moment of grace to let them breathe and speak back to Him, would they repent? No. Never, ever repent in the face of God. They would never repent ever repent. They're his enemy. They hate him. They hate everything about him. His goodness, his righteousness. He doesn't believe in the new tolerance. Right? When people posted their Facebook pictures in rainbow colors, Jesus didn't approve of it. Well, Jesus, you're intolerant. Right? Bad stuff. And God's going to separate them. So call to action with just a few slides left. You know, when I first came to Christ, it wasn't a sinner's prayer. It wasn't a uh, coming forward at an altar. It was a 12-year-old, and my dad said, if you really want to be serious about this Jesus thing, no church is involved. We barely went to church. Christmas, Easter, you know, Catholicism, which meant that we didn't. there was no one opening a Bible in my house growing up at all. And uh, he says, if you really want to be serious, you've got to give your life to Jesus. You don't ask him into your heart because he's king, you don't ask him nothing other than for forgiveness. But you yield to him and you say, Jesus, be my captain, be my leader, be it for me, period. End of discussion, I'm yours forevermore, period. I yield to you, I bow to you, you're God, you're king, you're leader, you're captain, you're the boss. I'm done, you're it. Take it, use it for whatever it's worth. That's repenting. That's part of repenting. That's giving it over to Jesus, yielding to Him. Um, A big part of repenting is when you've got to admit you're a sinner. You need this cross. You need Jesus to die for you. You need Him for that. If you don't need Him, if you still think you're going to put on your pants and head out and you're going to make it happen and you're it at the end of the day, you're not it at the end of the day. And you're not depending on Jesus. Um, live the life you were created to live, if you're of God's elect. I'm going to add that, because we read it twice already. Second Corinthians five, fourteen and sixteen. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live, pay attention to this, that those who live might no longer live to themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. For those who live for Jesus... Right? From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. All right? This is it. We live for Jesus. That's what this whole thing means. He was the one who, for our sake, died and was raised. It's a yielding. And Christians, it's a good, you know what scripture says to work out your salvation. It doesn't mean work for your salvation, right? When we go to the gym, we're not working for a body. We're working out the body we've been given. And that's what it means to work out your salvation. Yielding to Jesus, bowing to Jesus, doing crunches for Jesus, all right? It's for Jesus. It's always for Jesus. We're coming up. This is the last slide. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I highlighted the part I want you to feel blessed by. (laughs) Not counting your sin against you. Alright? Most people... I want you to, you know, I repeat a lot of things so that you can go and repeat it to others too. They're going to go to heaven and they're going to think God's going to judge them on their right and wrong deeds like a scale. Well, not for the Christian. There's no wrong to judge. It's all gone. See? Not counting. Not counting. That's how Christians stand before Jesus. Right? Right? not counting no scale that that should refresh you a bit right, that when we stand before God he's not going to judge us on our right and wrongs and to decide if we're going to heaven scales busted, scales gone Jesus totally finished it off right, not counting our sins trespasses means breaking God's law not counting our sin against us Well, that's good news. Can you dig it? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for being Jesus. And thank you for um, satisfying God's law and living the life we couldn't live and then taking the punishment we can't take. We could never satisfy it. Thank you for the amazing work that you have done and are doing and will continue to do in us as individuals and in us as the body of Christ. And now, Father, for this uh, last time of worship, may we glorify your name to know that it is only through Jesus we can come to the throne of God. Be glorified. Amen. You are always welcome to email, Facebook, or tweet us with your thoughts or comments. Truth is here.